Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Hello, my name is Kennard Brown. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Today is August 14, 2010 where we're going to talk about the new heaven or heavens and new earth. What God is going to do here soon. Well, actually, I shouldn't say soon, but after the thousand years of the millennium, which is approaching us, he's going to create a new universe, a new heaven and a new earth. And the first heaven or heavens and the first earth will pass away. And so before we get into that, let's, let's understand the reason why he has to do this. We understand what happened in the Garden of Eden. I went over this the uh, past couple of weeks. Uh, we sin, uh, first Eve sin, and then Adam, and that brought sin into the world. What does sin cause? It causes death. We, as human beings, should never die. The reason why we're dying is because we committed sin through Adam, and we all are inheriting Adam, or his name means mankind. We're inheriting his sin because we all die. So that happened, and the solution was for the Word of God, who is Yeshua, Jesus Christ, to sacrifice his life for all of mankind. He was the perfect lamb to do that. And John chapter 1, verse 29, without getting into detail, summarizes his work and a few other verses um, or scriptures. John chapter 1, starting at verse 29, states the following. It says, The next day John sees Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which pictures the Passover, which taketh away the sin of the world. That is his mission, ladies and gentlemen, to take away sin which if he takes away sin from the world, then he takes death from the world, and everyone will have eternal life. That is his goal, and he accomplished his goal, the first part of it anyway, and he's going to accomplish the second part of it when he comes back and lands his feet on the Mount of Olives. First uh, John chapter 3, verse 5. And you know that he was manifested, talking about the Word of God, he was manifested to become... Yeshua Messiah, or Jesus Christ, a perfect man, to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. So if he takes away our sins, then we will have eternal life. All right, and verse 8 states, He that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. And the beginning is talking about, uh, is, is beginning as the uh, Garden of Eden. For 
for this purpose the Son of God was manifested. So he was manifested for that purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And what are the works of the devil? Death, sin. Titus chapter 2, verse 14. Titus chapter 2, verse 14. talking about Jesus again, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, all sin, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works, or doing good deeds. So that's the purpose also of uh, him coming. And uh, I know in Christianity uh, they don't talk enough about doing righteous works. Uh, James chapter 2 talks about that in detail. You just Christ didn't come just to wipe away your sins and then you can commit adultery and do everything else. No. He did that so that you can start fresh and start to, to copy him and live like him because he did state that he kept his father's commandments in John 15, verse 10. And it also states that he desires to dwell with us and live within us in Galatians 2, verse 20. So for him to do that, we have to follow his example. All right, and uh, I was going to go over some other scriptures here. about uh, I did talk about previously that when Christ lands his feet on the Mount of Olives, there's going to be a the whole temperature of the earth is going to rise, and those who are wicked are going to be burnt up or um, destroyed. Well, actually, let's, let's look at this here. Let's look at some scriptures here, because this is important for you to understand. I have 37 minutes left. I do have enough time to talk about this. Second Peter. Second Peter chapter uh, 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, and I did talk about this in the archives, uh, about uh, the second coming of Christ and what will happen, what would be the first things that he does when he comes back. That's in the archives. Anyway, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. So that's talking about when he comes back, ladies and gentlemen. That's what's going to happen because it's in the context of the day of the Lord, which is talking about the literal day that it returns and lands on the Mount of Olives, which is uh, outlined in detail in Zechariah chapter 14. Verse 11, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening for the coming of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Verse 13, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. So this new heavens and new earth, there's not going to be any wickedness as it is now mixed with righteousness. It's going to be totally righteous. Everyone, all the angels, all the, the um, men who are changing the spirit beings and women will be righteous, even though the Bible does not indicate women will still be women when they are changed into spirit beings. So... But all human beings will be changed into spirits, and they will be perfect. And all the angels will be perfect, and they will all be righteous. So that's what that's talking about there. All right, in Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah chapter 66. Starting at verse 15. 
states, For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots, like a whirlwind, to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. This is talking about when he comes back and lands on the Mount of Olives. Verse 16, For by fire and by his sword will the Lord plead with all flesh, all of mankind, and the slain of the Lord shall be many. So he's going to plead with all of mankind by fire and also by sword. So, so it's going to be blood mixed with fire. That's, that's what's going to happen when he comes back. And those who oppose him will be destroyed when he comes back. Psalm 70, 97. Psalm 97. Psalm 97, starting in verse 1. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. His lightnings enlighten the world. The earth saw and trembled. The hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness and all the people, uh, all the people see his glory. So the heavens declare his righteousness and all the people see his glory. Confounded be all they that serve green images and that boast themselves of idol. Worship him, all ye gods, or so-called gods. So anyway, uh, again, fire has a lot to do with uh, his second coming here, ladies and gentlemen. And Malachi chapter 4, which is uh, quoted in audio dramatic form at the end of each and every program. Malachi chapter 4. Starting in verse 1, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven. We all know what an oven does, right, to anything you put in it, right? And all the proud, yes, and all that do wickedly, not the righteous, but all that do wickedly and the proud. And uh, you, if you're, you're pride, prideful, then you're arrogant, and that's a sin. You think too highly of yourself. All the proud, yes, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, shall be stubble. And the day that come shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that it shall lead them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness, which is another name for Yeshua, arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And you shall thread down the wicked. And why will the righteous thread down the wicked? For there shall be ashes under the soles of the righteous uh, feet. And the day that I shall do this, says the Lord of hosts. So, again, there will be a great burning, a purifying of the earth of all wickedness when he comes back and lands his feet on the Mount of Olives. But this process will be initiated, literally, when he lands his feet on the Mount of Olives. And it will not stop until the last person is judged. And that, of course, includes the great white throne judgment. Once the last person is judged, then... As Revelation, let's turn to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, uh, when it says in verse 14, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is getting all the wicked, get rid of them. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now once this happens, then the old earth and the old heavens are... No more. And then starting in verse 1, it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. They're gone. Totally 
gone, disappeared, and there was no more sea. All right, so we'll, we'll talk more about that here in a minute, but I just wanted to focus on that. Now, what did Christ say about the resurrections here? Let's turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. John chapter 5, um, beginning in verse 21, using the King James Version here. It says, For as the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth, them, quickeneth whom he will. Verse 22, For the Father judges no man, but has committed all a judgment unto the Son. Verse 23, That all men should honor the, fa- the Son, all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that hears my word, in other words, does what he says, and believes on him that sent me, has everlasting life. So if you believe in Jesus Christ and you follow him and, and obey his Father's commandments like he did, uh, remember in Hebrews 13, verse 8, it states that he does not change. He's the same today as he was back then meaning that he, he's going to expect uh, anyone that follows him to keep his commandments, including the Sabbath day and the holy days like he did. And in Galatians 2, verse 20, it states that you should live. He, he, he desires to live within you. Okay, so those are two important scriptures to remember. And then in 1 John 2, verse 6, it states that we should walk like he walked. And John 14, verse 6, states that uh, he's the will, the way, and the, and, and the life. So... Those are scriptures that, that are verifiable proof that we should do and walk and and copy him and do what he did. Verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believe on him that has sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verse 25, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that here shall live. For as the Father have life in himself, so have he given to the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Verse 28, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves. So this first part he talked about, the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that here shall live. And then he talks about, in verse 28, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come. This is talking about the great white throne judgment here. And shall come, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. So this is talking about the great white throne judgment. Verse 30, I can of myself do nothing, as I hear I judge. All right, so just wanted to explain that to you there. Because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. And I, Isaiah 65, verse 17. Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17. It says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. So he, he talks about this in the book of Isaiah. And then Isaiah chapter 66, verse 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. So it should be quite clear to you there will be a new heavens and a new earth. All right? And let's talk about 
the plan of God, what he has in store for each and every one of us if we obey him. And Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8. It's a wonderful ending, but unfortunately it's going to be a lot of blood and destruction before we get to a point where the whole universe is righteous. And everybody in it is righteous. Romans chapter 8. Actually, before we go to Romans, let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2. Starting in verse 5. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5. For unto the angels has he not put in subjection the world to come, wherein we speak. But one in a certain place, and he's, talking, he's quoting Psalm 8, a prophecy or a uh, writing by, uh, that was inspired by King David. Verse 6, but one in a certain place testifies, saying, What is man, what is mankind, that you are mindful of him, or the son of man, that you visit as him, or, um, yeah, the son of man. Verse 7, thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crowned him with glory and honor, and you did set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put, that may be, the Son of Man, that may be referring to Yeshua. I have to do some investigation on that. But anyway, that's why I hesitated. Verse 7, Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crowned him with glory and honor. That word angels in the original Hebrew, uh, in the Old Testament, where it's quoted, means Elohim, or a little lower than the mighty ones. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things, and that means all things, in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. And it means exactly what, what it says, ladies and gentlemen. He, God desires to put the whole universe under our subjection, under our subjection right now. But however, we're not qualified for that yet because we need to get the sin out of our minds. He left nothing that is not put under him or, or mankind. But now we see not yet, not yet, all things put under him or mankind, verse 9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels or the mighty ones, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. And he did. He tasted death for every single one of us so that we could have the opportunity for eternal life. Verse 10, For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons into glory. So he's not the only son of God. There will be other sons of God. Actually, if you have God's Holy Spirit now, you are a son of God. But you will be a literal son of God when you are ultimately born again, changed into a total spirit with a spiritual body at the second coming of Yeshua at the, uh, the seventh trump. But anyway, Verse 10, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons into glory, to make the captain of their salvation, the captain of all of our salvation is Yeshua or Jesus, perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren, and in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. 
Okay, so verse 14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. All right, so that's the purpose of him coming and giving his life so we would have the opportunity to become like him, a son of God. And that is the truth. That's our potential. And in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 14, states, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, you're not controlled, but you're led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As I just mentioned, if you are have the Holy Spirit and, you've led, and if you are led by God, then you are already a son of God. Not literally and, and, and like Jesus yet, but you will be. Uh, what I mean by literally, you'll have a spiritual body and you'll be immortal and you'll have other powers and you'll have the ability to do things on a godlike level. All right? Verse 15, For you have not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, so that's the key, you have to suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So God wants everyone to be glorified like he is. Although, of course, we would never match his power, but we will all be glorified like him. It's similar to a father when he has children on the earth they're similar to him they they look like him they have flesh like him and so forth well we're going to look like god we will be his literal children that is his overall god that's, that's where we got the idea of family from we got it from him we got it from god and his son a father and son relationship that's a family relationship and that's what god wants for everyone for everyone that's that's his desire but for that to be accomplished, sin must be destroyed. The devil must be destroyed and sin. And both those things will be destroyed soon. Soon. Uh, or the process of it being destroyed is going to happen soon. So that's the thing that we need to understand. God wants us to possess everything. Everything that he has will be ours if we just learn how to obey him. We have to learn how to obey him. If we can do that, he's going to give the whole entire universe to each and every one of us. That is his goal. That is his plan. And that plan is being executed through the Messiah, Yeshua Messiah. Isaiah chapter 11. And Isaiah chapter 11 outlines the the mission of the Messiah. It's a beautiful passage, and I'm going to read it here. Isaiah chapter 11, starting in verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. So it's stating the fact that the Messiah will come through the line of David, which Yeshua did. So this is talking about his or his humble origins. And a branch shall grow out of his roots, the stem of Jesse. Verse 2. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding 
the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? Proverbs 8, verse 13, to hate evil. Verse 3, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of, the, uh, of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. So this Messiah, who the Jews denied uh, the fact that he's supernatural, this proves that he's supernatural in verse 3, the fact that the Messiah and all Jews uh, recognize that this is a prophecy of the Messiah. It says that the Messiah shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, which proves that he'll be able to read people's minds. So right here that states the fact that the Messiah is a supernatural being. All right. Verse 4, but with righteousness, what is righteousness? Psalm 119, verse 172, the commandments of God. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove or correct with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. In other words, he's going to have a little force here, uh, probably a lot of force depending on people's wickedness. Anyway, he's going to rule with authority, rule with a rod of iron, and he's going to use force if he has to. Well, he probably will in some cases. And the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. So he's going to say certain things to the wicked and they're going to be slayed by his words. That's how powerful the Messiah will be. Verse 5. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Now, verse 6. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and this means exactly what it's saying, even though some Jews will take this and I Jesus and say, well, that's talking about something else. It means that the wolf will dwell with the lamb. That's how peaceful it's going to be. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and the little kid or little child shall lead them. This is talking about during the millennium, of course. Verse 7, And the cow and the bear shall feed, and their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. Verse 9, they shall not hurt, nor destroy in all my holy mountain, colon, continue the, continue the thought, verse 9, they shall not hurt, nor destroy in all my holy mountain, colon, continue the thought, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. And that day there shall be a root of Jesse, the Messiah again, which shall stand for an ensign of the people, to which shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Isaiah, which is Iraq today, and from Egypt, and from Pathros, and from Cush, and from Elam, and from Shinar, and from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations, and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel, and together the disperse of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The envy of Ephraim, which I've explained many times in this program, consists of the United States, Canada, New Zealand, South Africa, Australia, the countries in northwestern Europe, which includes Britain, Great Britain. All right, for proof of that, go to www.britam, B as in boy, R-I-T-A-M dot org, that's www.bsandboyritam.org, or you can go to my Blog Talk Radio website, www.blogtalkradio.com, can Art Levi Brown, and click uh, Who Are the Tribes of Israel, and then you, you'll go right to that website and you'll get the answer to that. 
All right, and it states here that also the envy of Ephraim shall depart, and the adversaries of Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah, or the Jews, which is just one tribe of the twelve tribes of Israel, and Judah shall not vex Ephraim. But they shall fly upon the shoulders of the Philistines together toward the west. They shall spoil them of the east together. They shall lay their hand upon Edom, Moab, and the children of Ammon, uh, Jordan, shall obey them. And the Lord shall utterly destroy the tongue of the Egyptian sea, and with his mighty wind shall he shake his hand over the river, and shall smite it in the seven streams, and make men go over dry shot. And there shall be a highway for the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Iraq, or Assyria, like as it was to Israel in the day that he came up out of the land of Egypt. So that is good news, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, the Messiah is going to fulfill his mission, the supernatural Messiah, despite what a lot of Jews think. You read these passages and take them literally. There's no way a man can do all this. The Messiah is a supernatural. He's a deity. And and that's something that they're going to have to acknowledge, and they will acknowledge. The Bible prophecies state that. Okay. In Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in six uh, verses 6 to 7, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David, and upon his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So this is very interesting. It says that his government will increase. Will there be human beings being created? Will there be other human beings being created in the new heaven and new earth? Well, so-called scholars state no, but where in the Bible does it say that God will not continue to create human beings? I, I don't see that, so I think we need to keep that open for investigation. It's a great possibility. I should say there is a possibility, not great, but it's a possibility that God may um, resume what he tried to start in the Garden of Eden, create perfect human beings. And those human beings grow, and eventually they'll grow into a spiritual human being. So that that's a possibility. But he did state in this verse that his government shall always increase. So let's keep that in mind. So let's go over Revelation chapter 21 in the remaining time I have here. So we can picture this beautiful, beautiful... I'm going to read this in another version here. How many... How much time do I have left here? Uh, Twelve minutes. Revelation chapter 21. I will write this. I will read this in the write this. <laughs> I write so much here. Um, this is uh, in the um, contemporary English version of the Bible. I'm going to start in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Now remember, everything has been destroyed or eliminated at this point. There is no more lake of fire. There's no more wickedness, no more devil, no more, no more, no, uh, no more wickedness, no more devil, no more wicked people. They're all gone. Okay? That, that is what this indicates here, despite what people think they tell you that people will be tormented forever and ever not not according to these words they may be tormented up to the end of the new heaven and the new earth 
Well, the scriptures do indicate that that's going to happen. But these scriptures that I'm going to read you really reveals that they won't exist, that it's disappeared, it's gone. Anything about the, the old heaven and the old earth, or the old heavens, the old universe and the old earth, is gone. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, so this is in the contemporary English version of the Bible. The first heaven and the first earth had disappeared. Gone. So the lake of fire is gone. Everything's gone, okay? The first heaven and the first earth had disappeared, and so had the sea. Verse 2. Then I saw New Jerusalem, the holy city, the holy city, that holy city. And I, then I saw New Jerusalem, that holy city, coming down from God in heaven. It was like a bride dressed in her wedding gown and ready to meet her husband. I heard a loud voice shout from the throne. God's home is now, this is God the Father talking here. God's home is now with his people. He will live with them, and they will be his own. Yes, God will make his home among his people. God himself. The God is even over the word of God, Yeshua Messiah. Verse 4. He will wipe all tears from their eyes, and there will be no more death, suffering, crying, or pain. These things of the past are gone forever. So if people are going to be snap, crackling, and popping forever, then God must not know what he's talking about because he say, stated here, there is no more death, no more suffering, no more crying, no more pain in the new heavens and the new earth. Who are we going to believe, scholars or God? That's up to you. But anyway, he says, these things of the past are gone forever. I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to scholars. I only listen to them when they're making sense, when it matches up with God's words. Revelation 21, verse 5. Then the one sitting on the throne, this is Yeshua now, I am making everything new. Write down what I have said. My words are true and can be trusted. Verse 6, everything is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. This is Yeshua talking here. I will freely give water from the life-giving fountain to everyone who is thirsty. Verse 7, all who win the victory will be given these blessings. I will be their God and they will be my people. But I will tell you what will happen to cowards and to everyone who is unfaithful or dirty-minded or who murders or is sexually immoral or uses witchcraft or worships idols or tells lies. They will be thrown into the lake of fire and burning sulfur. This is the second death. So this is something that he's warning everyone so that you won't be thrown in the lake of fire and, and disappear with the old heavens and the, and the old earth. Verse 9. I saw one of the seven angels who had the bowls filled with the seven last terrible troubles or, or plagues. The angel came to me and said, Come on, I will show you the one who will be the bride and wife of the Lamb. Okay, so let's find out. Verse 10. Then with the help of the Spirit, he took me to the top of the very high mountain. Then he showed me the holy city of Jerusalem coming down from God in heaven. The glory of God made the city bright. It was dazzling and crystal clear, like a precious jasper stone. The city had a high and thick wall with twelve gates, and each one of them was guarded by an angel. On each of the gates was written the name of one of the twelve tribes of Israel. Three of these gates were on the east, three were on the north, three more were on the south, and the other three were on the west. The city was built on twelve foundation stones. On each of the stones was written the name of one of the Lamb's twelve apostles. So that's how important that God feels that the apostles are. 
Verse 15, the angel who spoke to me had a gold measuring stick to measure the city and its gates and its walls. The city was shaped like a cube because it was just as high as it were wide. When the angel measured the city, it was about 1,500 miles high and 1,500 miles wide. Then the angel measured the wall, and by our measurements, it was about 216 feet high. The wall was built of jasper, and the city was made of pure gold, clear as crystal. This is picture that in your mind. The wall was built of jasper, and the city was made of pure gold, clear as crystal. Each of the twelve foundations was a precious stone. The first was jasper, the second was sapphire, the third was agate, the, the, the fourth was emerald, the fifth was ox, the sixth was uh, carnelian, the seventh was crystallite, the eighth was beryl, the ninth was topaz, the tenth was uh, chrysophas, the eleventh was jansif, and the twelfth was amethyst. Each of the twelve gates was a solid pearl. The streets of the city were made of pure gold, clear as crystal. I did not see a temple there. The Lord God, all-powerful, and the Lamb, the God, Father, and the Son, were his temple. Verse 23, and the city did not need the sun or the moon. There was a sun and a moon, but it didn't need it. The glory of God was shining on it, and the Lamb was its light. Nations will walk by the light of that city, and kings will bring their riches there. Its gates are always open during the day, and night never comes. The glorious treasures of nations will be brought into the city. But nothing unworthy will be allowed to enter. No one who is dirty-minded or who tells lies will be there, because they're going to be destroyed and not going to exist. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will be in the city. The angel showed me a river that was crystal clear. Crystal clear river. And its waters gave life. The river came from the throne where God and the Lamb were seated. Then it flowed down the middle of the city's main street. On each side of the river are trees that grow a different kind of fruit each month of the year. The fruit gives life, and the leaves are used as medicine to heal the nations. Verse 3, God's curse will no longer be on the people of that city. He and the Lamb will be seated there on their thrones, and his people will worship God. And will see him face to face. You'll see God the Father face to face. You also see the sun face to face. God's name will be written on their foreheads of the people, symbolizing the fact that they will literally be his people and his children. Verse 5, never again will night appear, and no one who lives there will ever need a lamp or the sun. The Lord God will be their light, and they will rule forever. Verse 6, then I was told, these words are true and can be trusted. The Lord God controls the spirits of his prophets, and he is the one who sent his angel to show his servants what must happen right away. Verse 7, he's talking about these times that we're living in now. Remember, I am coming soon. God will bless everyone who pays attention to the message of this book. And we repeat, remember, I am coming soon. God will bless everyone who pays attention to the message of this book, the book of Revelation. Verse 8, my name is John, and I am the one who heard and saw these things. And after I have heard and seen all this, I knelt down and began to worship at the feet of the angel who had shown me all these things. I have about three minutes left here. So then I heard and seen this, and I knelt down and began to worship the feet of the angel who had shown it to me. But the angel said, don't do that. I am a servant just like you. I am the same as follower or prophet or anyone else who obeys that is written in this book. God is the one you should worship. Don't keep the prophecies in this book a secret. These things will happen soon in this 21st century. 
Verse 11, evil people will keep on being evil. Everyone who is dirty-minded will still be dirty-minded, but good people will keep on doing right, and God's people will always be holy. Then I was told, I am coming soon, and when I come, I will reward everyone for what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. This is Yeshua talking again, Jesus. The first and the last, the beginning and the end. God will bless all who have washed their robes, which is symbolic uh, in reference to keeping the commandments. They will each have the right to eat fruit from the tree that gives life, that's the right that we need to be fighting for, not gay rights. We need to be fighting for the right to eat from the tree that gives life and they, and that you can have the right to enter into the gates of the city of New Jerusalem. Verse 15, but outside the city will be dogs, witches, immoral people, murderers, idol worshipers, and everyone who loves to tell lies and do wrong. In other words, those people who were tossed in the lake of fire, they're not going to ever uh, come into the city. They, they won't even exist. They're going to disappear. Verse 16, I am Jesus. And I am the one who sent my angel to tell all of you these things for the churches. I am David's great descendant, and I am also the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Everyone who hears this should say, come. If you are thirsty, come. Thirsty for righteousness. That's what he's talking about. Thirsty for God's word. He's telling you to come. If you want life-giving water, come and take it. It's free. Shouldn't be, you shouldn't be paying for God's truth. God wants it to be free, ladies and gentlemen. I'm offering it for free. I'm offering for free. Take it. It's free. Verse 18. Here is my warning for everyone who hears the prophecies in this book. If you add anything to them, God will make you, you suffer all the terrible troubles written in this book. If you take anything away from these prophecies, God will not let you have part in the life-giving tree and in the holy city described in this book. The one who has spoken these things says, I am coming soon. So Lord Jesus, Yeshua Messiah, the great Messiah, please come soon. I pray that the Lord Jesus will be kind to all of you. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I wish you well. Uh, I wish you'd be blessed this week. And I will speak to you next week. Malachi chapter 4 For behold... The day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.